0: Good morning. This morning's scripture reading is from Isaiah 61, verses 1 to 11. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. my soul rejoices in my God. For as he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness, as a bridegroom adorns adorns his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soul makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Katie. Well, joy, right? Joy, doesn't that sound better? Doesn't that sound good, joy? Wouldn't, I mean, joy would be good, right? Um, when I think about joy, this is actually just an aside, but when I think about joy, I, I'm reminded of a puppet group that I was part of. Uh, believe it or not, I was part of a puppet ministry. And we would practice on Wednesdays, and we would have to remember to keep our thumbs this way and the tops of our hands stable. So it didn't look like you were talking like this, that little puppet, but the puppet stayed still. But it was called Joy Puppeteers. Joy stood for Jesus, others, and you. That could be the sermon right there. We could be done. You ready to go home? No, not at all. Joy makes us smile. Joy gives us a a, a heart that that flies. Joy is something that when we we think about Christmas, we think joy to the world. The the Lord has come. It's a song that we could sing. Um, Bob Dylan this week crushed many of us. The singer-songwriter when he sold his entire Rights to all of his music for $400 million. I mean, good on him. That's great. But it's Bob Dylan, like a radical, like someone who shouldn't do that. Like he shouldn't be tied into corporate greed like that and $400 million. But it made me think of his songs and his catalog. catalog and, and I came across one that it reminded me of really kind of how many of us view the world today. I'm going to quote it for you. I won't be nasally like Bob Dylan when he sings. Broken lines, broken strings, broken threads, broken springs, broken idols, broken heads, people sleeping in broken beds. Ain't no use jiving. Ain't no use joking. Everything is broken. Broken bottles, broken plates, broken switches, broken gates, broken dishes, broken parts. Streets are filled with broken hearts. Broken words never meant to be spoken. Everything is broken. Seems like every time you stop and turn around, something else just hit the ground. Broken cutters, broken saws, broken buckles, broken laws, broken bodies, broken bones, broken voices on broken phones. Take a deep breath. Feel like you're choking. Everything is broken. Every time you leave and go off someplace, things fall a piece in my face. Spoken, broken hands on broken plows, broken treaties, broken vows. Broken pipes and broken tools, people bending broken rules, hound dogs howling, bullfrogs croaking, everything is broken. Maybe not worth 400 million. It certainly reminds us that the world we live in definitely, definitely isn't living up to our expectation of joy to the world. The Lord has come. We look out and we can see the brokenness that surrounds us, the darkness that is present. And even though over the last few weeks we've been talking about hope and we've been talking about peace, we come to this place of going joy to the the world, right? Joy to the world. And we can turn around and see in our own lives that we have broken relationships, that there are things that have taken place this year that remind us of the brokenness of the world. And so we can easily sing with Bob Dylan things are broken. It seems like everything is broken. So what does it mean for us then to be searching for joy? What does it look like for us to step into that place to allow joy to take place in our hearts? And again, we return to the prophet that we've been in the last two Sundays, Isaiah, as he brings forth this proclamation of who we will find joy in. It's important for us to understand the context, not just of Isaiah, but the context that Jesus grabs in this place. So I'm going to turn in my Bible to Luke uh, chapter five or chapter, um, I got to find it. Where is it? Luke chapter four, sorry. And I want you to turn there as well, or you can look on your devices, Luke chapter four, and it starts with verse 16. Jesus says this. It says this about Jesus. And he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of the sight to the blind, to set liberty to those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes in all of the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Now, as we come to this place in Isaiah, it's good for us to set in our minds and our hearts that Jesus takes this passage and this is how he starts publicly proclaiming what he is on about on this earth. It's this passage that Jesus goes to in the book of Isaiah that he says forth to his hometown and says, this is who I am. This is happening this very day. And so as we're searching for joy, the first thing that we recognize, that it is in a person. That it's not in other things that might happen in our lives. It's not in activities that we might be a part of, but that it is in fact the person of Jesus is where we first find joy. In our broken world where Bob Dylan says everything is broken, to hear Jesus say this, I am the anointed one here to proclaim good news to the poor, bind up the brokenhearted, freedom to the captives, and release the prisoners from darkness. That those of us who are wrecked with the brokenness of the world, we hear Jesus call out to us over and over again, I am the one who is anointed by God to bring forth your freedom. That you no longer have to be trapped in this place of darkness and brokenness, but I will bring you out He goes on to say, I'm here to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now that is a comment to the year of atonement or the year of jubilee. The year of jubilee is every seven years they release all the debts. Check this out. You're free from your debts. They didn't do it really well. (laughs) They actually maybe never did it that we know of. But this is what God called forth for them to do. Debts are returned. Property is returned to its first owners rest is given to everyone. He says, I'm here to proclaim the year of Jubilee. That means the work that you're doing, the debts that you have, the brokenness that you feel, I am going to release those. I'm going to take them on because somebody has to take them on. And he says, I'm the one that does that. Now, it's interesting that Jesus, when he quotes this passage, he stops there. But here in this passage, we see this phrase that can kind of go, well, wait a minute, we're talking about joy. Let's not talk about what you're going to say here, Lee. It says, in the day of vengeance of our God. Now, Jesus stopped there. He didn't say that passage. Now, there's two reasons why that's probably happening. The first one is Jesus is proclaiming that his presence on earth, God incarnate, is the one who's going to make all things right. He's going to release all those things. And that the day of vengeance hasn't come yet, but that the day of atonement has. That the day of jubilee has come. That that year is happening as he's come. So that that vengeance might not be happening yet. That it's in the future. Now I would say this. And there are some commentaries that agree with me. That, that day of vengeance that we hear about here is actually the day of the cross, not the second coming. Some would say that it's the second coming, that Jesus is gonna come again and he's gonna make all things right and that the vengeance of the Lord is going to come. I would say that what, Jesus, what Isaiah is saying here is that it's the cross. That actually the day of vengeance is the day that Christ puts himself on the cross. Catch me, I didn't mess up there. Christ puts himself on the cross. Yes, there are others who put him there, but he willingly goes to that place. Because remember, the cross is the purest example of God's self-sacrificing love for us. That it is in the cross that his pursuit of us to bring us into whole relationship with himself, to bring us into whole relationship with who we are, to bring us into whole relationship with all others that we meet, and the very place that we live, that it takes place on the cross in God's self-sacrificing act of love. And so it's God himself who takes his wrath and his vengeance and the punishment for the brokenness that is in the world on himself on that cross. So Isaiah points ahead to it. Jesus says that day is happening knowing full well that he's the one who's going to take the brunt of the vengeance of God. And then he says this about who we are then in that. That in that moment, he is comforting all who mourn, and he provides for those who grieve. He bestows on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, and an oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. That Jesus, when he says, I'm going to release you from captivity, I'm going to bring about jubilee, he's also saying to us that I'm going to do away with your grieving. I'm going to give you a crown of beauty over ashes. I'm going to to bring about joy in your mourning, and I'm going to bring about praise in a place of despair. Why can that happen? How can that happen for us who are encountering who Jesus is? It happens because he then changes who we are. So first in our seeking for joy, we see the person of Jesus. The second thing that we see is that God changes who we are. See, we once were these people who grieved. We once were these people who mourned. We once were these people who were in despair. But because of the work that Christ has done and is continuing to do, we are now oaks of righteousness, planted by God to display His splendor. That we are a people that are God's people, that He has drawn to Himself, that brings us in so that we can bring forth God's splendor and majesty. And not only that, is that, that's not only what we do, we also are those who will go out into the brokenness of the world and bring back renewal. One of the reasons why joy is so hard for us to grab a hold of is we're too busy looking at the things that are broken. Now, I don't want us to be naive about it and just say, oh, things are going to get better. Everything's going to be all right. She'll be right, mate, right? I want us to be able to honestly engage with the brokenness of the world, but understand that those of us who are called by this God who is bringing about completeness, we also have a task to do. He says of us that we will rebuild the ancient ruins. We will restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. You will what? Be called priest of the Lord. You will be named ministers of God. That what God is doing as we are searching for joy is he says, take your eyes off of the problems that you're dealing with and put your eyes on the solutions to the problems, which is me working through you in order to make things complete. That we have a task that we are on about, which is to bring renewal, To bring life and light to the dark and broken world. That we are called then to be priests and ministers of God. That means that our reflection is the reflection of God. And so we must be those who have joy. He then gives us a promise as we walk. That instead of shame, you'll receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will receive an inheritance. An everlasting joy will be yours. This God who is pursuing us into whole relationships says, I want you to have an everlasting joy. And it's found in knowing who Jesus is, and it's found in knowing who you are. But it is both a gift. His revelation of who he is and his revelation of who we are is his gift. He's the one who gives us that double portion. He's the one who gives us our inheritance. He's the one who gives us the everlasting joy in our lives. So who is this God? He says, I am the Lord. I love justice and I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward the people and I will make an everlasting covenant for them. And their descendants will be known in all the nations and their offsprings among the peoples. Now, he's talking to the nation of Israel here, but in that nation of Israel, he's talking about all of those who are in Christ. Why? Because Christ goes through Jesus and he grabs hold of this passage and says, this is what's going on. So anytime Jesus quotes a bit of a passage of scripture in the Old Testament, in the New Testament, in his biographies, know that he understands that the people who are reading it know all the rest of it. Right? So he might just say two verses or three verses, but he understands that those who are listening to him know all of what's being said. So it's good for us to know that when Jesus says that very first part of this passage, he's meaning the whole chapter, maybe even the whole book because it would call to mind what was going on. And so he reminds them, these folks, that I am about justice, not robbery or wrongdoing, that in my faithfulness I will reward the people. This is what my promise is to them. In that, we know what justice is. Well, what is justice? Is it just making wrong things right? Partly. But justice is making things that are broken whole. Justice is making things that have fallen out of the glory and image of God back into the glory and image of God. Justice is shalom, peace, wholeness, completeness that rests completely and fully in what God has done. So when he says justice, he's saying to us, yes, there is injustice in the world and we should be about bringing justice. But that justice only flows from the place that God reveals completely, His wholeness, what it looks like. And so we move into that direction. And all that's good and fine. Remember, what I said is Jesus knows this passage and he knows the others will hear it. And here the prophet Isaiah speaks as the Messiah, as Jesus. Isaiah doesn't know that he's speaking as Jesus. He's just writing the words. But in this next passage, he's speaking about Jesus. He's speaking as if he is Jesus. So when Jesus then takes this passage and says, this is who I am, people would have run down in their minds to this section. Now listen to what he says in verse 10. Jesus is saying this, I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has arrayed me in the robes of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with jewels, with her jewels. For as the soul makes the sprout come up and the garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Jesus is saying this, that the work that I'm doing, this thing that I'm bringing about, brings me so much joy. My soul rejoices in what God is doing in and through me. My soul rejoices like I am at a wedding. Now weddings were big deals. They were party after party after party. We know as we look in the book of Mark that Jesus chose a wedding to be the place that he showed his first miracle. That it's day's affairs that go on that bring people great joy and frivolity and love and laughter. And so Jesus is saying the work that I'm doing brings me joy. This idea of coming and bringing a people into completeness and wholeness brings me great joy. I rejoice in the Lord because he has clothed me with salvation, because he has made me his righteousness. I rejoice, I can't get enough. And we know this is to be true because the writer of Hebrews reminds us of it. Hebrews chapter 12 says this about Jesus and us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set out before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne." Of God, Catch this. In our searching for joy, it is found in the person of Jesus. It is found in who we are in him. But more than that, it is found in the fact that Jesus is the joyful one. That our joy that we can find springs from the joy that Jesus has as he does not count the cross as something to be scared of something to hold off from, but it is with joy as a bridegroom or a bride longing for that day of redemption that says, I cannot wait. It's going to be awesome. It's a big party that's going to happen. However, in your mind you think of what joy is, double, triple, quadruple, Multiply it infinitely more, and that is the joy that God feels in Christ as He is coming to bring us salvation. He looks at the cross and He says, "No, there is nothing that would bring me greater joy than to bring my people back to Me." And so it is in that place that when we look at the brokenness of the world, that we can then say, "Yes, yes, it is joy, because Jesus." Joy is in saving me. How amazing that is. So, what does that mean we should do? Well, Martin Lloyd Jones, who's a pastor a long time ago in Britain, well, not super long ago, he said this about this joy. He said, As we face the modern world with all its troubles, troubles and turmoil, and with all its difficulties and sadness, "'Nothing is more important than that we who call ourselves Christians or who acclaim the name of Christ should be representing our faith in such a way before others as to give them the impression that here is the solution and here is the answer. In a world where everything has gone so sadly astray, we, stand, we should be standing out as men and women apart.'" People characterized by a fundamental joy and certainty in spirit of the conditions in spite of adversity. For those of us who are walking in Christ, it behooves us. It is a challenge for us to move in the direction of joy, even in the brokenness of the world. Because we know the person who is joyful to save us. And it is in that that we are saved. Let me say this. (laughs) I cannot believe I would say this. This is a decent sermon. (laughs) And hopefully you got something out of it. And I often pray, Lord, and I'll pray it now, whatever is yours, let it take heart. But if it's not yours, let it burn up. So that it has no place in our hearts. But I'm gonna still Alan's prayer. And we're gonna post it on our website. And if you didn't hear Alan's prayer, um, you need to hear Alan's prayer. Because it almost made me think, I don't I don't actually need to preach this sermon. Because Alan's prayer is a sermon I wanted to preach today. So thank you, brother, for that. I, I think this is a good sermon. I hope it's something for you. But we're going to post Alan's prayer (laughs) because that was spot on. So thank you for that, brother. I appreciate it. Let's stand and let's sing together.